A couple of weeks ago, I, I started a series on Proverbs, and I heard that I was rather excited about my sermon. Um, some people told me that they, they thought I was enjoying preaching that sermon so much. and So maybe I just should preach it again, and it was Proverbs 12, 1, don't be stupid, was the... the no, I'm not going to preach it again, but, um, you know, just, I talked about the reality that um, this man named Solomon, who had been given by God wisdom, accumulated these Proverbs in the Old Testament. And in these Proverbs, that's the reason I have kind of a gold background up there. I just feel like there's nuggets of wisdom that sometimes we overlook, that sometimes we miss, that sometimes um, we, don't, we don't see or hear or whatever. And not only are there nuggets of wisdom, but I think there's some pretty candid verses that are there. You know, again, uh, he who doesn't love correction is stupid or whatever it said last week. I mean... That was the reality of the word. Pastor didn't make that up. But sometimes, you know, it's funny, as I start talking about these verses, people say, well, I didn't think that was in Scripture. Because they're so candid. They're so vivid. And so what I want to do this morning is continue that series. And we're going to talk about something else. And the reality is Solomon was wise. And this morning, the topic that we're going to talk about, he actually addresses several times. So we've got lots of pictures this morning. It's good that the kids are in here because there's lots of pictures of what God or what Solomon, what God spoke through Solomon when it comes to wisdom. And if Solomon thought it was important enough to repeat several times, then it's probably important for us to kind of look at this and see what he's saying. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get into his word. God, we thank you this morning that we're here. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the body of Christ that we're a part of. We thank you for each other, God that we can be here for one another, that we can show each other love. And we pray, God, your anointing continue in this place. Help us to hear you. Help us to discern what you're speaking to us through the Proverbs. God, give us eyes, give us a heart, give us a mind to understand. Make us wise. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you and we ask that you accomplish your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start in, in the book of, of Proverbs chapter 26, and um, I'm going to read a little bit in this particular book, book but, but kind of the idea of what I want to talk about. Proverbs 26, verse 21. As charcoal to hot embers and wood uh, to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Um, that same chapter, uh, that same portion of Scripture starts... In, in 17, it's talking about this idea. This morning I want to look at quarrelsome people. We're going to look at, at some stories in, in, in Proverbs, some pictures I guess it would be in Proverbs, and, and just the idea of quarrelsome people and what Solomon in his wisdom said uh, we should be concerned about with quarrelsome people. Go to the next slide. Keep going, sorry. It starts in verse 17, and we're going to read Proverbs uh, chapter 26. Um, but it says, like one who grabs a dog's ear is one who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own. Now, I'm going to read this in Proverbs. In my translation, it says in verse uh, 17, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death, is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. 
Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inner or inmost parts. Do you see like these pictures? Now, what is this? What is what is Solomon expressing in these problems? What proverbs? What are we seeing? So we saw this first one. It says kind of like charcoal or wood to fire. So is a quarrelsome person. What are they saying? Without charcoal or wood, what happens to a fire? It's not there. So when it comes to strife, quarrelsome people are that, that log or fire. Now, what is the other one that we saw the picture of? I don't know about you, but a stray dog. If you saw a stray dog, you went up and grabbed it by the ears, what's going to happen? One of two things. It's going to become your best friend or it's going to bite your hand off. You're never going to be able to ride again. I mean, that's the reality of the picture, right? So, so the, 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 in Proverbs we're reading, uh, if one grabs a dog by the ears, a stray dog by the ears, it's like someone who gets in a quarrel in the middle of something that's not theirs. So if we're getting in stuff that's not ours, guess what's going to happen? There's a good chance we're going to get hurt. Isn't that what the, uh, the, the, what, what's coming through in Proverbs? I mean, again, verse 18, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. Talk about a vivid picture. A maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is a, is a gossip, right? Or is the one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. They just stir up problems. See, the, the reality that, 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 that Solomon is getting across is there are some people who are quarrelsome. They like to stir up trouble. They're pot stirrers. And he compares them to stray dogs. He compares them to maniacs with arrows. He compares them to, to wood for fire. But the reality is the same in all of these. What is he probably telling us to do? Stay away. Danger. Danger, danger. When you recognize someone who likes to stir up trouble, when you recognize the quarrelsome people, stay away. I'm going to look at some, some more Proverbs in, 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 that, that, that kind of communicate this same idea. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 1. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. The picture in my mind when I read this. Thanksgiving meal, when Aunt Judy and Aunt Alice have a problem with each other and everyone can recognize it and the tension is so thick around the table that you cannot enjoy the turkey you cannot enjoy the sweet potatoes and you definitely can't enjoy aunt joyce's apple pie you just just as soon be at home with a piece of dry crust than in the middle of that mess do you know what i'm saying like where the the tension the quarrel it's it's so intense it's just like i don't want to be a part of it and and someone said you're better off with a piece of dry crust. I mean, who says Thanksgiving, I can't wait for some dry crust, other than stuffing? It's not dry. <laughs> if Mike was here, he'd say it's gloopy. Mike wit. Um, but, but the reality is that, that, that he's saying, you know, it's better to be away. We go a little bit further. Starting a quarrel in Proverbs seventeen fourteen is like breaching a dam. 
So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. What is, what is he saying? What happens when a dam is breached, Peyton? What do you think happens if we break a dam? If you put a hole in a dam, Kylie, what do you think is going to happen? How about you, Ty? Some water will come out. Guess what else happens? It breaks and then more water comes out, right? And sometimes we, we have these, these fights and we, we start quarrels and we don't realize the, the, the bear we're poking. We don't realize the problems that can come. And, and really it's saying, hey, be smart at what fights. Pick your fights wisely, right? Because you never know what kind of mess you're going to cause. I mean, these are just nuggets. Guys, we're talking about quarrelsome people. So this just isn't about your wife. Go to the next one. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Who enjoys a leaky roof in a rainstorm? What happens when there's a leaky roof in a rainstorm? You get wet, don't you? If my roof was leaking in a rainstorm, I'm going to be obsessed with that problem. I'm going to be annoyed by that problem. Can you imagine if you're sitting there having dinner, you're dry crust because you didn't go to Thanksgiving meal, and all of a sudden there's water dropping on your head? And and the psalmist says that's like a quarrelsome wife. One who likes to stir up trouble. One who likes to be a potser. And I'm not saying this is about a wife or a husband. This is about quarrelsome people. And really the foolishness is if you think you can stop or you're crazy, go grab some oil or go grab the wind. Restraining her is like that. So what does he say? Better to live... I mean, this one is... I just have this picture in my mind for this verse. Better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. I just picture this guy up there with his recliner on the side of the roof. That's what I see when I read this verse. What, what happens... You know, we talked about the meal. We're giving up what's good, right? I mean, turkey, apple pie, we're giving up what's good. When you sit on the roof, what are you giving up? Not God. He's about all you got. (laughs) You're giving up shelter, right? What are you giving up? You're probably giving up your football game because the TV's inside. What are you giving up? Your comfort. I mean, you're not just getting rid of, uh, uh, away from the table of what tastes good, but you're really putting yourself in a vulnerable place. And, and, this, and the guy, Solomon, when he writes Proverbs, he's saying it's better to be in a vulnerable place where you're probably going to get wet. I mean, just think this morning you're sitting on the roof. Up on the roof. You're cold this morning, right? And, and Solomon's saying... You're better off to be up there sitting in the snow than in a room with a quarrelsome person. Do we really have that kind of 
concern, that kind of discernment when it comes to quarrelsome people? That we're willing to say, I'm, I'm going to be away. <laughs> I'm going to put myself in a place that's not comfortable. I'm going to put myself in a place that's dangerous. I'm going to put my, myself in, in, in a place away from the apple pie because it's what's best for me. Proverbs 30, talk about vivid. Proverbs 30, 33, For churning cream produces butter, and twisting the nose produces blood. So stirring up anger produces strife. That's the monkeys. If you remember that show, the monkeys, that's what they... Anyway, sorry. I need a kid that's going to volunteer so I can twist their nose this morning and show everybody what happens when we twist someone's nose. Any kids want to volunteer this morning? I don't think you do. (laughs) You know, last night we had the pumpkin extravaganza and every time we asked for a volunteer, every kid in the room's hand shot. But kids understand they don't want their nose twisted to produce blood. Right? Only William's crazy enough to say, please me. Well, Levi's does too, but he didn't want me to twist his. But the reality is, even kids in this room were smart enough to say, that's not something I want to be a part of. Yet, in life. You know, we, we, we see quarrelsome wife and we can think any time there's a group of people, there just seems to be this tendency to stir the pot. There seems to be this reality that, that we're going to uh, have some quarrelsome things. We're going to, to, to make people angrier. There's going to be some that just seem to, to thrive on the differences. I mean, it almost seems natural when, not natural, but it almost seems normal or normative when there's a group of people, there's someone who likes to stir up trouble. So what do we do? Make room on your roof for me. This isn't something, you know, Solomon's writing this and and he's so wise, but the reality is, all through the New Testament, we still see this very reality time and time again. Men's Bible study. We're reading about Paul in the early church. And it seems like every time Paul leaves a church, what happens? Some quarrelsome people come. And what do they do? They start stirring the pot. They start bugging things. They start, they start making things happen. He, he appoints Timothy and he writes Timothy a letter. Second Timothy. This is chapter 2. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Sounds like Solomon, just a second. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene 
Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, or whatever his name is, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be made instruments for special purposes, made wholly useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Verse 22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, don't have anything to do, well, he says it again, man, with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents may be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What is Paul talking about? What's the quarrel? In 2 Timothy. Some people are coming along and what are they teaching? They're teaching that the resurrection, and I'm assuming it's talking about the resurrection of the saints, that's where we all go up, has happened. And what's happening to people? Because they're talking about this foolishness, these words, this, this crazy argument, whatever, they're stirring the pot, it's causing people's faith to waver because guess what? I'm still here. <laughs> he forgot me. <laughs> what, what just happened? And there's this foolishness that comes up in the church. These, these two people, and, and, and they're, they're, they're the proponents of this stirring. And what their words are. They may think they're, they're enlightened. They may think they're wise. They may think they know it all. But their words are destroying the body of Christ. Their quarrel is becoming a fire that's endangering the body of Christ. And so Paul, he writes to Timothy and, and he says, what does he say about quarreling? Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. Why? It is of no value. What? Quarreling about words. Now, I'm not talking about standing up for our faith. In some ways, you're going to hear this morning and say, Pastor says we've got to be this passive people who never stand up for anything. That's not what I'm saying. But when we identify ignorance, when we identify people who, who won't be... It, there's, a, there's proverbs about arguing with the fool. When we identify people who have foolish arguments, sometimes the quarreling is of how much value... How much value? 
What happens when we participate in quarreling of no value? It brings about ruin, is what the Scripture says. So actually, it becomes negative value. You know who has value in that kind of quarreling? It's the enemy. It's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. That's his, that's his purpose, is to create division. And so sometimes, by participating in the quarrel... I don't know, maybe you guys are better than me. Uh, I've been very, very candid about my quarreling issues at times. And so have you ever been in the midst of something that you entered with the greatest intentions? I'm going to show the light in the middle of this injustice. Sears delivered my refrigerator to con- or uh, my washer and dryer to Kentucky and then they don't have the part that I need. I'm going to enter this conversation with righteousness. But because they're foolish... And they want you to drive back to get a dryer kit that they've got in the back. Suddenly, (laughs) I'm no longer light, but I'm a fire. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes we enter into the quarrel with the greatest intentions. But quarreling produces strife. Sometimes I think we think we can walk in the fire and not be a part of the fire. Sometimes we say, hey, I can just sit at the table as long as my wife is in the living room and everything will be okay. But the reality is there is no value in that quarreling. There is zero value in engaging a fool in foolish arguments. It's not worth it. And all you're doing is putting yourself at risk. The dog's going to bite your hand. Galatians chapter 5. It's of no value. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We read this and some things jump out. Like, I mean, these are big words. Sexual immorality, impurity, witchcraft. I mean, these are bad people. Drunkenness, orgies, those kind of things. But right in the midst of that is what? Discord. Fits of rage. There's quarrelsome people right in the middle of of all of this. And we can recognize some, but we don't recognize the others. I'm telling you, quarreling is of no value. So what did Paul say? He said in verse 15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. There's the reality sometimes in quarrels that we feel like we have to be the defender. I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong about what you said about me. I'm going to tell you why. And we want to become our own defender. The scripture says, do your best to present yourself. 
Do your best. It's not easy. Sometimes we want to get in the quarrel. We want to grab the dog and and pull it away. Sometimes we want to just say, don't be stupid, shut up. Do your best to present yourself to God. You know what? If someone questions who I am, I'm just worried about what he thinks. You know how many fights, how many arguments, how many quarrels happen because someone feels like someone else is is attacking them. I want to do myself to present my my best to present myself to God. I know who I am. You can say that I did this. If I know I didn't do it, then I'm not going to get all bent out of shape. You can say that I did that because of these reasons, but if that wasn't the reasons I did it, I did it because God told me to, then I'm not going to worry about it. You can say, Pastor called me stupid last week. You won't believe how many times my pastor called me stupid. He was talking right to me. I mean, I saw him every time he looked at the crowd. He was looking at me. Every time he said, don't be stupid, he looked me in the eyes. You can say that's what my intentions were, and I'm going to say, I'll stand before God. That wasn't who I was. That wasn't what I was doing. I was being faithful to what God asked me to do. Do your, do your best to present yourself not before men, but before God as a workman approved. Do your best. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is your defense benefiting those who listen? Walt was with me at Sears. I think Walt was wondering if there was a money back guarantee on pastors at that point. What? (laughs) What if our mentality was, I'm going to do my very best. I don't want unwholesome things to come out of me. I know that when I get engaged by the fire, I start to smell like the fire. I start to talk like the fire. I start to sting like the fire. What if I did my very best to not let anything unwholesome? Yeah, I'm still... I mean, that's what I love about this. It doesn't say don't say anything. It doesn't say just be quiet and and, and let people kick you and, and roll over you. But it says do your best Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So guess what? There's still something that comes from you. But my something isn't going to to cause others to stumble. It's not going to be of no value. It's going to be of great value. So quarreling is of no value. Do your best to present yourself to God. How? Verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents, I mean, this talks about, yeah, there will be people who oppose us, right? Opponents must be gently instructed. Why? In the hope that God will grant them repentance 
leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do their wills. There's something extremely valuable that can come in the midst of the quarrel, not when I participate in the quarrel, but when I become an agent of God, when I become a teacher, right? I mean, that's what he says. A servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Well, I can teach. You ever been taught by someone who was resentful? They stepped on your toes, they twisted your ear, they squeezed your nose and made it bleed. I mean, that's what it feels like when someone's resentful and they're correcting you, right? Do your best to present yourself to God. In the midst of the quarrel, be an agent that shows them truth, teaching, teaching them kindly. How? Kindly. With the hope of eternal value. You see, quarreling is of no value. But what God can do through you is of eternal value. We, we instruct gently, kindly, with the hope, what? That God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have ambition, self envy, envious, that's a new word. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reach a harvest of righteousness. We're not called to be quarrelsome people, but we are called to be peacemakers. That doesn't mean we just gloss over everything, but God uses us. He uses the wisdom He places inside of us to bring about eternal fruit. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Mark chapter 11, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. You know, I believe that, that when the church, when we as a body, when families, when, when whatever unit you're a part of, when we become more focused on being peacemakers rather than quarrelsome people, we'll experience a, a harvest of righteousness. We sang about, Walt, Walt read about, he didn't know what I was preaching, he didn't know this is where I was ending. He read about being a child of God. And he talked about all those benefits. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they will be the children of God. This is part of my identity in Christ. I don't want 
the quarrels. I don't want the, 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 the reality of quarrels. I don't want the quarrelsome people. And you know, he said that restraining a quarrelsome wife is like grasping oil or, or grasping the wind. But I know one who can. Comes through the wisdom that the Holy Spirit places inside of me. The only way I can restrain a quarrelsome person is through the anointing, through the wisdom that God has placed inside of me to be a peacemaker. And suddenly, hopefully, God uses my words that come out of a good heart that are, uh, according to James, pure, peace-loving, considerate, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. He can use those words in the midst of the quarrel to produce something of value. You guys can come forward. I'm not really sure where I'm ending. It's charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire. So is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Like one who grabs a dog's ears is one who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Starting a quarrel was like breaching a dam. So the matter, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. For his turning cream produces butter and twisting nose produces blood so stirring up anger produces strife I long to be peacemakers I long for that to be the heart of our church I long for that to be the essence of my home and I've got to recognize the potential danger I've got to be aware of the minefield I'm entering when I entertain that conversation. I've got to be aware of the, 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 the possibility that lies before me when, when I go ahead and get in that fight that is not mine. Because it's not worth it. I want to be seasoned by the Spirit of God. Father, I pray for us this morning. God, it's a, it's a pretty candid word. But I ask that we would have a candid response. The Word of God says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for we will be the children of God. For we are the children of God. And God, I pray across this room for each one of us that you give us understanding, that you give us the knowledge and wisdom that we have need of when it comes to these circumstances. God, I pray that you would set up alarms that we would see, that we would recognize, God, yeah, don't want to go there. 
And God, when we have to be engaged, and God, when we have to participate, and and when we have to, to speak, I pray, God, that it's not me who speaks, but it's you that speaks through me. That, that, that we would be seasoned with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, that you might use our words to produce life. That you might use them in someone's life. That you might use them in a, in a situation or circumstance that someone might happen to come to repentance because of the way I handled this situation. I don't want leaking dams or leaking roofs or burning fires, but I want the plans and purposes of God.